Christopher, uh, it's season five, episode 32, and I feel like we should actually call it season five, episode 33, because the time you and I just spent talking on the on-ramp was equivalent to uh, a podcast episode. <laughs> Holy crap. Holy crap. That's long. Yeah. So mm. it's okay with you. Maybe we punch out in about 30 minutes. Yeah, yeah. No, that's good. That's good. <clears throat> I've got a full day ahead of me. Nice. <clears throat> yeah. I mean... It's good and it's bad. I was looking at my calendar yesterday and I was like, uh-oh, <laughs> I'm busy. And I don't like, like, I don't like that. I don't like that. I look at my calendar and I see all these days, these evenings just kind of getting, they're chopped off because something's got to happen that day. Yeah. Got to be somewhere. Somebody's got to come look at the house for something. Like, it's, I don't like it, but... What are you going to do? Life goes you're, on, right? You're going to do that stuff. That's what you're going to do. You're I know, get, but get that list done. You're going to, but I get the complications that it causes. I get it. I get it. Like, because I have a busy weekend and it's Mother's Day tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Yesterday, I came home from work and I, I had no, I did not want to give my energy to working in the backyard on the yard. That's not where I wanted to. I started on Thursday night and then I was Friday. Well, okay, so Thursday, I'm in the backyard and I'm doing some stuff. And I'm like, uh-oh, this is going to take this is going to take a few more hours. So, normally my son and I volunteer on Fridays. Friday evenings is when we want to volunteer, but I I'm like I can't do it because of the way the weekend looks. I can't volunteer. I can't give up 4 hours on Friday night when I know this um yard stuff has to get done. Mm-hmm. Um so I'm like, okay, I'm not volunteering tomorrow. So I get home from work, like, I really don't, I really don't want to do this yard work, but it has to happen. And I, I, I know you know that on Friday nights, my family likes to order out or go to a restaurant. And so as I'm getting my outdoor clothes on, clothes on, and grabbing the tools I need to work, I look at the boys and I'm like. You guys are going to have to communicate with mom. Um, I, I'm not leaving to go get dinner. I don't care what we eat. Like I was, it was hilarious. They're looking at me like, what's your problem? And I'm like, I have no problem. I'm going to be outside in the backyard cutting down bushes and stuff. And it's going to upset me. I kind of already, which is weird because I, I was able to switch that. But I'm like, it's going to upset me. It generally does. So I'm like... So knowing that I could, knowing that my mood could swing into a negative way, don't come and ask me to go get dinner. It's not happening. I'm not coming out of the backyard until I'm done. So you guys negotiate with your mother. And then I kind of smile and I'm like, your mom's going to get what she wants. So you can make suggestions if she asks or whatever. But And your mom could come home with no dinner. Like mom could come home and say, I'm exhausted. And then... When I come in from working outside, then I guess it's a grilled cheese and soup kind of night or what's in the freezer that I can, I can bake or whatever. Like it's not, I'm not going anywhere. So I look at them, I'm like, do you guys understand? They're like, yeah, we understand. I'm like, okay, awesome. Then we're all good. So I go in the backyard, start working. My son comes out, he goes, is shawarma okay? <laughs> I'm like, I have no problem with that. Thank you for 
kind of well, what do you want on i'm just like i don't want to talk about it whatever your mother brings home i'll eat so if she brings home dinner for me i will eat whatever she brings i am working they're like okay dad so then i ended up finishing <clears throat> earlier than i thought which was really nice i didn't i didn't anticipate having any time to myself so mm-hmm. i finish i come in i'm covered in like i'm covered in backyard backyard yeah (laughs) and i i I wore a long sleeve shirt because the day before i wore a short sleeve shirt and and the these these grasses we have that grow really long they demolish skin like i've got a cut on my finger i've got scrapes all over me because as i'm working i'm wearing gloves and i'm not i'm just working i'm like get it done piece bit by bit this is what i'm thinking i'm literally like bit by bit by bit it'll get done so i come in i'm like i gotta go shower uh-huh. Um, I got to change. They're like, okay. I'm like, if your mom comes home, make sure you go help her. Anyway, so I I come out of the shower. She's still not home. She gets home. We eat dinner. I watch a little bit of hockey and then move on with my life. But all that to say, all that to say is that I started on Thursday evening in the backyard. I finally finished it yesterday. So now mm-hmm. I can continue with my weekend. But if I did not place that stuff on the, my free my open time on thursday and friday i don't know when i'd be able to get it done because this weekend's busy um and again it's not busy like i'm not wearing the the badge of busy on mm, the, 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 bar. the bar the bar the bar the board no what was that it was a it was a b-h-a-r so bad busy as hell no badge of badge of business badge of Bob. honor business yeah yeah we gotta we'll check in with let's check in with marketing after that well we won't even have to do that the minute i shut my mouth i'll just go to my instagram account because i posted it there but anyway Beauty. i am not i do not want to be busy like that but mm. things have to get done yeah. right um or they don't get done and then it's like it's just not good so i was getting things done Tell us about, okay, so you have started your play. Yeah. So tell us about you, Chris, the thespian. 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 Tell us about um, your experience of, of being in a play. So I'll do, just because you know me, I like um, I like to put in those, do a plug, right? Um, I'll definitely say if if anybody's curious about checking out, you know, some of some of my, my process, some of my process, I've posted up some TikToks. Um, I they're short five seven minute kind of reflective pieces on sort of what's what's how I've built what I'm doing which I don't know maybe that's interesting um it's 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 what's been fascinating to me has been I've gone back and I've listened to a couple of those episodes just to kind of track back to the beginning because it's it's you know, it was March when we started this process and there's a lot of stuff that I think I, I'm going to quote the play. Here it comes. I'm going to quote the play. At one point in the play, I, I freak out and I, and I asked the other character, you know, what else have I forgotten? And I sort of recount this list of things that I've forgotten. So my character's experience with, being a shut-in and staying in their store for so long 
you know, I've, I'm, I've disassociated, I've disconnected from society and I'm, and I'm, and in doing so also disconnected from myself. Like there's things that I feel should be important, things that I should remember that are just gone. And one of the things I identify is, you know, I, I, I know I have a memory. The character has a memory of being in some cafe and realizing I was in love with somebody. So a very important memory that this character has, but I've forgotten the name of the cafe. And that becomes a, a problem for me because it, 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 well, a couple things from the character's point of view, it shows the beginning of memory loss. It shows the process. The beginning is stressful. What's more stressful to the character, it's the process of memory loss, that if I could forget something so important, I could forget anything else that's important. And then the abstract anxiety inducing, what else, what other important things do I no longer remember? So there's this whole forgetting element to it. And um, there's a funny, for me, there's been a sort of a, a funny necessity to forgetting though within this play, because part of it is you sort of learn the script and then you have to start to forget that you've learned the script so that you can just be the character because you don't get to carry the script with you all the time. And anybody that's done performance in any sort of measure, even music, anything that you would do live, improvisation, comedy, let's say theater, um, spoken word, I'm imagining that many performers are in a very similar space of the risk of forgetting. Like there's a real risk because there's forgetting and then there's forgetting because you don't want to drop a line. You don't want to drop a note. You don't want to forget a, a word in your poem, but to be bound to that script in a way that you can only deliver it when it's in your hand is not the same kind of performance as being able to just move around the space and perform. So for me, what I'm digging right now is just the beginning, the beginning. And it's, I don't know how, I don't know how wide or narrow this, this could be, but I feel like I'm just in the beginning of the sweet spot of being able to not have to intentionally remember the script and that I can react trusting that the work that has created this character will carry me through the performance now you know someone in the audience will be like yeah forget it. i saw the performance last night clef you're not carrying a character anywhere that's entirely possible that happens that's fine it's not fine but it happens um but i guess the thing is it's not fine but i have to be fine with that because um we have five performances left like that's it we've 97 percent of the work was in rehearsal we perform the play for the public, the paying public seven times. So that, yeah, it's digging it. It's, it's, it's a, um, it's a fasting, you, you know, you, you ever, have you, you been in a school lately, Chids? Yes. You've done stairs. You've done any stairs recently in a school, Chids? Yes. You ever get to the top of the stairs, Chids, and you think to yourself, oh, that was a that was kind of tough doing those stairs. You hustle up it or whatever, and you get this sudden litmus, my experience at my school, um, you get this sudden realization like, whew, I think I remember a time where I could sort of get up those stairs. Like I still got up. I'm still getting up the stairs, but I remember a time where I could just keep on running right to my classroom. Get going right into the classroom. So that's what a little bit of this performance has done these moments of pause that um, I'm not the performer, 
I'm not the performer that's challenging. I'm not, I'm not my, I'm not 30 years younger as a performer. I said to, so uh, there's a sword fight, you know, play sword fight in the play. It's very active. There's a lot of um, really like the energy is, is, is very, um, it's just projecting this sort of like playful energy. Go, 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 go. And the scene, the chunk of the scene is maybe, maybe five minutes long. At the end of the piece, I'm on the floor like, no, kind of, you know, like I'm about to be taken out with the final blow, which makes sense. It also, but I'm also sitting there as Chris, like, whew, I get to stop for a moment. <laughs> so, you know, it's that, it's that awareness that, yeah, it's that awareness that, um, the physicality that, so the physicality of me playing this role, um, has been really cool because I'm not, this ain't, this ain't me performing like back in 1996. I think the last time that I was on stage. No. <coughs> Two things. Number yeah. one, I was 1996 was my first year out of high school. <laughs> Number two, you've been to St. John's, so you know the stairs oh, that I, yeah, I yeah. have right. to deal with all, every day. Yeah, um, I was at John's yesterday, and yeah, it's like those stairs, they just, freaking stairs everywhere. It's like, so you, you, know. you turn right, you turn left, there's stairs, there's no way around. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I get it. Um, and in a weird way, I miss those stairs, because those stairs accounted for many of my steps and movement um, <laughs> before I was out of that building. So right. crazy. And every time I'm there, I'm like, this is insane to have this many stairs like in a school. But anyway, well, I appreciate you sharing that about your, about the, the play, the work you're doing. Um, I don't even know. I don't even know where to go with that. Um, It's, I'm really interested in how you might feel after you're done your seventh performance, your seventh live performance, mm -hmm. you know, um, Me too. All, <laughs> all of a sudden you're going to have a ton of new time to play with because you've been spending like how many, you don't know how many, so you and I message each other back and forth and we use video to chat. You don't mm -hmm. know how many uh video messages i've i've either received from you on your drive to the theater or on your drive home from the theater like you you know to update me on your day or what just happened to theater or whatever you're gonna have this huge chunk of time that's gonna feel maybe like i don't know how it's gonna feel i imagine i know when i get into a project and I spend a lot of time on it. And then all of a sudden the project's finished. And then it's like, it just looks like this wide open road in front of you. I mean, it that time get, will get eaten up by something. But mm -hmm. Just interesting to see how that plays out, you know? I've, I've, it's funny. So this, we were talking with the director. Uh, I don't know when it was. I think it was, it was our last, we were talking with the director on our last uh, dress rehearsal night and just it sort of came up like 
Um, the director's name is Sergio. Sergio Calderon. Um, asked Sergio, like, are you going to be here every night? I think it was, we were, it's because on the, the last dress rehearsal night, we got notes. And at some point, I mean, I'll share, I can show, there's notes that we do verbally. And then he has a process for sharing notes afterwards. It's in the PDF. The notes uh, were always about five pages, but it was the notes for the whole, like it was notes that he took for the whole play. And then there'd be stuff sometimes in there for stage manager. It'd be coded stage manager, you know, SM or lighting or costume. And then um, it would be my name or it would say Chris or it would say uh, Luke, the other actor, if it was something specific for us. And then there's color coding. So the first time a note pops up, it's white. It's just like, like just on typed paper. Um, if it's, if the note gets embedded as in, he can see, he could see that it was something that we were working on, wasn't finalized, but it was something we we're trying to integrate the note. He would highlight it in green. If the note wasn't taken, then it would move to yellow. And then if it still wasn't being worked on, it would move to red. So just that's the color coding of, you know, the homework, right? That's the homework. That's the assessment. That's the feedback. I really appreciate it because in, in my teaching, in my day-to-day -day teaching, I use color coding a lot. I actually, a lot of my editing, uh, when I'm sort of giving students feedback on their writing, it's, it's color coded. So for example, um, I might highlight a sentence or a word in green and my kids know green means tell me more. If I highlight it in blue, I tell them that's a high five. I say, that's a, that's a great piece of writing. Do nothing with that for right now. That's excellent. And I have other colors as well. And I use those, I've used those consistently for the last few years for feedback. So I appreciate him using the color coding. It's a system that I'm familiar with. Um, so it was during the notes process that we asked him, we're like, okay, so are you going to be at every performance? He's like, no, no, I'm not going to be there. He goes, I'm already starting to work on my next, my next project. Ooh. And that's a really fascinating, what you just did right now. Oh, oh, okay. So, and he had said right from the beginning, he said, um, performance, when we get to performance, he said, my job is done. My job is done. He said, I now, I hand the play over to you two and Julie and the, and the set crew. And I'm imagining that that's in as much uh, just a practical thing to do as it is a, as a wellness thing. Like, you know, he needs to step away. And like you just said, what is he going to use his time for? For him, he said, I'm reviewing several different scripts. I think I heard him talking that he may be considering doing um, a musical next. He's not sure. Um, he said, but now I'm going to start working on that. And what made it kind of funny. So I asked him, so on opening night, we asked, are you going to be there on Friday? He's like, no, I'm not going to be there for performance. He what? I don't think he was, but I remember how I said I left through the front lobby. Mm -hmm. He was out in the front lobby. So technically he wasn't at the performance, but I suspect he came by at the end, probably just to check in. So that experience or this, this current experience, I'm going to put that up against something you and I have talked about in the past when it comes to podcasting. So in the past, I don't know if we call it the, the three hour factor, the seven hour factor, but it had to do with my experience very much so i think in a little bit of yours that initially when we started podcasting you know it was a seven to ten hour endeavor between setting up the interview having the conversation 
um, both, I think, of us making it work within our lives because we were dads and teachers and individuals, other stuff to do. And at some point, you know, whatever took seven to 10 hours, you could then knock off in two to three. Like you just got better, better at it. Um, you built in efficiencies. But I also remember talking with you about like, okay, so what am I now? How did I, how am I making use of those extra six hours, extra four hours? I said, that's real time where something happened. Am I using it intentionally? So I love that you're asking this question, which is a little bit of a what's next. Um, Cause when I, when I got, when I knocked my time down on my podcast, I, it didn't occur to me that I, I, I didn't say to myself, Oh, now I can do more podcasting. So now I can get two podcasts done. I was just more questioning. It was more in the space of living a good life. Did I fill that time with something as valuable, seemingly valuable as doing the podcast editing, which felt really important to me at the time. So am I still doing something rich, satisfying, growth-minded, positive risk. So that's where I'm at thinking forward in this particular process. Um, I don't know if I ever want to act again. That has nothing to do with how much I enjoy it right now. It's because I haven't experienced or started to think about another performance. Like I'm not in Sergio's position where he's like, yeah, I got to start mapping out my next play that I'm going to do. I'm not in that space. I don't have access. I don't have access to that thinking. I just don't have access to it. So, um, dude, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. Because I think maybe the falsehood here is thinking that it's actually extra time. Right? If yeah. I think of it as extra, then I don't know. Am I respecting my own time? Because you don't earn any more hours. You just sort of choose what you're going to do each day with them. Mm -hmm. So I guess the thing is, <coughs> excuse me. It's not like planning for pre-retirement. I guess something could, some an opportunity could present itself. Um, I told you flat out, a big part of this was getting the evidence as to whether or not I could perform still on stage. Mm -hmm. And it's not like there's, it's not as much of a feather in a cap as it is. Do I still have access to those skills that I seeded 30 years ago, which, you know, maybe that could say, well, that's talent. Like if it's still there, I would say, maybe I have a talent for acting maybe because if it's right there for you, you know, you can shine it up, kind of find it again. Um, I didn't have to relearn the basics in order to do this. Um, and I think I've, I think I've responsibly delivered what I was asked to deliver, you know, a fully formed character in a way that, you know, is stage ready. So I think I was successful there. Um, so yeah, moving forward to the next dude, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what's going to present to, to me. Here's where I'm hopeful. I am looking forward to spending, using some of that time hanging with my fam. Because that that was one of the costs. It did work. It did work um, because it was a, a period of time where I could go at night to rehearsal and we're good there. Um, uh, I'm looking forward to the moments in the future. I'm looking forward. So I'm looking forward to being in the future and being able to return to this process in a spontaneous way. As in, remember when I did that play? 
and we have those really cool nostalgic moments that you know the frustrating ones is when those are like you're talking about your best lived years when you're in like 10 years old because you can never ever and if you haven't tried it again and again and again you know you're never going back to that moment in any way shape or form i'm really happy that there's sort of 30 years between my two acting experiences because i feel like i've created a new chapter that sort of like i can go back to with a little bit more credibility than saying oh yeah i was in a really funny play in 1995 right and i like that new people have sort of discovered this part about me because there's people that have no idea that i took drama at university mm -hmm. no idea so those are all my feels those are all my feels around that thanks for asking about it um who knows where i go next dude who knows it's a really big part of your life right now. Yep. Right. It's like basically it's work, family, play at the yep. moment. So um, it's just interesting to me that it's going to go back to work and family. Um, well, it's not going to go back. It's just the play gets the play filters out. And then you just, you're right. It's not extra time either, it's time. So I suspect you'll, yeah, you'll be with your family for those, those hours. Um, and who knows, maybe something pops up um, and you're like, yeah, I think I'd like to play a role in that, in that show or whatever. You just have to wait and see, I guess. Right. Now, did you enjoy working with this particular, this director? Like, did you enjoy... Or are you enjoying the group of people you're current that are leading you down this path? Yeah, you know, I've I was often I part of how I've I think about all the professional development that I've had as a teacher, and I think about uh, what was what what is necessary for me to offer trust to someone that's going to teach me a thing. Mm -hmm. And this, I think, has become, I've been more close, I've become more close-minded to this as I've, as I've gotten older. And I felt like, I'm going to say maybe the bur burden of responsibility to have to just do things as an adult, right? Pay a bill, um, go to parent-teacher night. Like, these are just all sort of, these are like the facts of life of growing up. Mm -hmm. And I think that in that process, I've become more closed off to suggestions that I should do something differently because my brain goes, but I just did it. So we're good. Right. Cause I know that there's going to be another thing put on my desk that I have to do kind of like being a teacher in a lot of ways. So that closed mindedness or that, that, that initial defense to taking in feedback, I think this has really helped me to open myself back up to feedback um, because we got a lot of feedback and also because this was a, um, <clears throat> I don't know any other, I don't have this to compare to anything, but anyone that has sort of talked about the show and the, and the speed with which we mounted it, like the timeline is really tight. Um, Sergio, I think said that he, he knew that the play was a go maybe a week before they were casting. So he was familiar with the play, but like, cause what had happened was this play that I'm in was supposed to be the end of the season play, which means further into June, but just because of uh, complications with COVID and then actor complications, they had to flip the two plays. 
So ours was supposed to be the the season ender, and there was supposed to be another one um, right now, and that got flipped at the last moment. So then it was like, do you think you can get this play up in two months? Like, okay, let's go for it. They put out the casting call, and then a week later, myself and Luke are in the roles starting to learn. So it's been said a couple times that that's really fast to get a play up. So in order to get there, I'm and I'm imagining this after the fact, I had to have opened myself up to take in the information to be able to get to show ready because otherwise I'd still be kind of mechanically moving around the stage. Like I allowed myself to be sculpted by the feedback. I allowed myself to be adjusted. I allowed myself to consider the what if that somebody else was giving me as easily as I accepted my own what if, but then allowing somebody else, the viewer ostensibly. So Sergio, the viewer, to say, okay, I can understand why you would have done that, but it didn't work from out here. And he often would say as storytellers. So he didn't often talk to us as, as in being actors. He spoke to us as storytellers, which really does pivot your perspective by being on stage. Because one of the things that I've come to understand about storytelling as opposed to acting, acting is just the functional for me, the function, the functional um, moment of being able to share back. It's the, it's the, it's acting as cause and effect. Tell me the line, <clears throat> tell me the line I have to say, I give the line back to you. It's rote in very much, right? Storytelling changes things. Storytelling suggests community connection, interactivity, responsiveness, Emotional authenticity, you know, um, I think it also is uh, being present, it's awareness, it's trust, it's vulnerability. You have, there's so many more that you're sort of the, the, the filters become so much more permeable. And I think as soon as he started to talk to us as being storytellers, that changed, it changed how I might perception of self on stage and i could no longer afford to just say this is how i'm going to do it because that feels safe it raises the stakes to say i know how i would like to do it but i gotta know that by what's happening in front of me not by the stage directions in the book so i'll give you a for instance two nights so far cell phones have gone off mm. It's a very modern conundrum. <laughs> I mean, in the past, it would have been people talking to each other, I'm sure, or talking to the actors. Hey, shut up on stage. Or two, whatever it is, right? The heckling. Heckling is very different now. I mean, because heckling can be accidental as if somebody forgot to turn off their mobile phone. Is there an announcement at the beginning of the show to say, please turn off your phones? Mm -hmm. I'm just wondering. Because yeah, I don't know about the community play. Like yeah, they operate this... the same as they would anywhere yeah. else. Okay. Yeah, please, please, if possible, turn off your phone. If it's not possible, please put it on mute. So um, two nights in a row in sort of two different spaces, um, a mobile <laughs> phone went off. So you just, like I said, that you have to take that in to a degree. You have to take that in. You have to 
deal with the fact that you can't deal with the fact and then deal with that fact too. <laughs> it's it's whack. But so you know, the, that's, I remember you you told me about the first time mm -hmm. it happened, it happened again, at the end. Yeah, it happened again last night. At Not near the, the same, end. Like when did it happen and were you able was it less because it happened already once when it happened the mm. second time where you just like your brain's like oh there's a phone but you just keep doing your thing yeah so the the first on opening night when it happened it happened in a moment of it was in the last minute and a half of the play so and in the last minute of the and a half of the play there's some really i'm feeling some really intense feels as the character mm -hmm. um we know how we're closing the play so you have this slight sense of where you need to be emotionally so that the audience can close the story well so there's a really cool synergy there where my hope is that we're all kind of on the same page we're on the same page we're having similar feels there's some dissonance there about what you're feeling i'm able to sort of create or sort of push people into spaces of emotionality. So that is an amazingly intense and fragile moment. So when collectively, you know, between the storytellers and the audience, when we're able to suspend our disbelief and all be in that same space of emotion, it's also incredibly fragile. So when something alien happens, um, like a sound that is not a part of what we accept to be a part of this emotional moment, mm -hmm. because I would say, if anything, those emotional moments, the sound that you're experiencing is silence or you're internalized. Like you're just, it's insular, right? Mm -hmm. And an alien sound like a phone is the front end of just the air kind of coming out of that moment. On one hand, it's the exact thing you need in order to feel relief, which we do. That moment where you're so angry, so upset, and someone cracks a joke. You might be upset at the joke, but you're happy that you laughed. And you're like, ah, you unburden yourself, right? You disassociate from that state. Um, I will say from a storyteller's point of view, I was not ready to let the audience disassociate. I wanted them to stay there right there with me through those last two minutes. The phone was the beginning of that. It was very loud, too. It was, I think, someone right in the front row. Again, it happens. Um, what complicated it and sort of further you feel the, that moment kind of floating away from you, that moment, it's just like, no, was the first night was an individual just like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm so, so they started talking in the audience. So, but it's like, you know, when we're talking about the, the, you know, some of the stuff that could fall off stage today mm -hmm. uh, at any time, you, you choose who you are. You choose who you are. Now, that individual, I'm imagining, I'm going to imagine that that was embarrassing, that this person, you know, did not want their phone to go off in this way. But it was fascinating that the nervous reaction energy was for them to start talking in the audience. Because mm. for me, I I think I, I don't know if I would, I don't know. I don't know if I would feel compelled to start talking. I'd probably try and grab my phone and just run out. Like, I would just run. So you just hear the phone ringing as it goes out the door, like into the lobby. Mm -hmm. I don't think I would have initiated a conversation with the whole audience. So that was, that was the first night, the second night. Um, so second night, it didn't happen at an emotional, as an emotional point, 
Um, it was at a bit of a pivot point, but apparently last night it happened twice. I didn't hear this. I didn't hear two. I only heard one of them, mm. but apparently there were two phones last night. Um, wow. Yeah. So live theater, bro. Like this is live theater <laughs> or that this is the, this is the, the complication, the possibilities of live theater. So yeah maybe both of those people or those three people were doctors is there a could doctor be. in the house i don't is know there, yeah they got to go deal could be could i don't be. know but it's cool that uh it happens to you so you just kind of it's like just part of your experience now it has happened and it can happen and it's not a big deal we just keep going this is what we were taught when luke and i were walking home we said is this the is this the necessary kind of punch in the face? Like you need to take the punch just so you know what it actually feels like. Mm -hmm. So we are kind of likening it to, you know, to taking martial arts or my character in the play talks about boxing. So I think that's what I was kind of tapping mm -hmm. into that you, you need to, because it's not the, it's not the actual punch that, that, well, the punch is a problem, but the, the punch is not, is not the primary problem. The, the the fear of the punch is the primary problem and that's the thing that will make you less brave less risk um tolerant so i said now that we've had it we've we've taken a punch when it happened the second night eh, do i like it no i mean i'm not gonna i'm not gonna um i'm I, i'm not i'm not looking forward to or expecting or you know um a, let's say appreciating that that happens but now that it has and we finished the show. People clapped. A couple hoots. Stat, uh, the crew has said, good show. Good for you for making it through that. Some people said, oh, I don't know what I would have done if that happened to me. Like, those are all kind of like, give you some slight, you know, you're checking the wind. Like, okay, I did it right. I, I, I played that one right. According to random barometers that I had no clue about before the actual moment happened. So much like even taking a chance on this play, which is a far more bigger picture, the punch of taking the play has been cool learning too. I've proven that I can still, I've proven to myself, I have evidence that I can still do this type of thing. And now that, you know, phones have rung during the performance and we've still finished the performance and delivered, like that's another piece of evidence that um, there's no fear like there's no fear around that happening and it's not like okay so my last thing on this is it's an interesting meditation on how fear can keep us from learning new things because there's another space where that exact possibility could keep me from wanting to perform if i really did reinforce that belief that what's keeping me from doing performance is the fear of someone interrupting me um I don't have that. I don't have that connection to the moment anymore. It severed it. So cool. I like that. I like that. I have, I like that. I have that experience, even though it's, you know, it's, I'm not trying to make like overly positive, um, feels about this. I'm having genuine kind of genuine positive reaction to the fact that phones have gone off both nights. The other cool thing is I realized it's not about me. Like that, that's, I did, I still did what I had to do. I still delivered. 
I performed, I did my thing. Uh, I do truly believe it's probably far worse for that individual and others that were maybe beside them. Like I said, I, I did the work to get back into character. I'm sure there was somebody else in the audience that thought I paid money for, I paid good money for this. And that person didn't turn off their, their mobile phone. Well, good luck today. Good luck tomorrow. Thanks, man. Um, have fun. Enjoy the time uh, because it'll be gone soon. That's exactly exactly how I'm kind of processing through this. Um, just an appreciation of being able to sort of be in that space. And then, yeah, you're right. It, it's the same forever, nor should it be, but the same forever, this particular bunch of feels. So keeping close scrutiny on them and allowing them to kind of that perforation, like just letting them in. Uh, I'm digging it. I'm digging it. Can we check out your art before we punch out? It looks like grass. Is it grass or yes, grass yeah, a little bit. Yeah, oh. a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I what would else? say what else is it, Chris? <laughs> I don't know. I guess I've done a similar picture before. I feel like it's funny. I go back to this idea of being in the weeds. Ah, being in the weeds. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but, but again, trying to each time I do, it's funny. Each time I do, you know, this particular picture and I've done it with the lines and kind of done the scribble before. And like, I I'm using similar tactics on it. Mm -hmm. uh, I tried using different colors and slightly different textures. There's a little bit of watercolor uh, smearing in there as well. Cause I was using watercolor pencil crayons. So switching it up, trying to find a new, new perspective, a new way to represent something the same. Uh, so now we have three possible titles for this episode. Mm. And it's awesome because the first two, any listeners won't know because we talked about them uh, on the off-ramp. And then um, the third one is what just came up. So number one, number one is Smoking with My Dad, mm, yeah. <laughs> which people who are just listening now are like, what? Number yeah. two is Clough's Crap. And then number three is Being in the Weeds. Um, yeah. So before we go, though, Ramona decided to grace us with her presence. She tuned in Ramona! late. She's uh, wishing us a great week. She probably, um, well, either she's she was cooking, cooking up a storm. She couldn't listen to us. Or uh, she was dealing with our marketing department um, yeah. to figure things out for us. And then uh, she says she hopes her lateness doesn't tarnish her Gold Star membership status. No, uh, the fact that you still come and hang out is... Um, gold star worthy for sure it is true plus we always we allow for the the one late thing right that's all part of the membership one late attendee moment uh before um before low polish before what happens yeah before well she'll drop to silver let's status get to, let's get back to legal and figure that one out and now it's just pure threat just let the threat hang there it's a threat it's a threat don't do it again but you're fine to do it this time don't do it again. I love mm -hmm. it. Yeah. Okay. Well, this has been uh, season five, episode 32 on paper. Really, we should be calling it episode 33 because of the talk we had before, but it's all good. Tomorrow's mm -hmm. Mother's Day. So to all the moms out there or mother figures or anybody who does the work of a mom or mothering, mothering, mm -hmm. um, happy Mother's Day. Absolutely, bro. Have a fantastic, uh, busy day. Same to you, dude. Same to you. See ya. Thanks.